So maybe we take a look, with your permission, something in honor of Pesach, something a bit ambitious, very hard subject, which is, um, needs a lot of thought, not easy at all. Is that, do we agree? Yes? No? The problem is, it'll take a while to develop the issue, the question, but it's very fundamental, so let's try to, let's try to get it clear. The Rambam says this, now, uh, a few sources, let's try and work through a few, few texts, right, to try to put a picture together. Mitzvah's essay shall It's a positive. This is Perk Shvi, Hilchas Chometz Matzah. It's a positive mitzvah of the Torah. Thank you. The supper, but yeah, it's a, it's a. He's talking here about the mitzvah of the Leila Seder, which is called Sipu Yitzias Mitzrayim. The pasuk says Zochah is a Yom Hashem Yitzasem Mitzrayim. Remember the day that you went out of Egypt, and therefore there's a mitzvah of telling the story. Pesach is Pesach, is a mitzvah of telling the story and therefore you have to tell the story of Etzias Mitzrayim so the words are Mitzvah's Esai Shel Torah it's a positive mitzvah of the Torah this involves women as well Le Saper to tell what would you put as the next words? Sipur Yitzias Mitzrayim here are the next words in the Rambam Benissim Veniflois the miracles and wonders that were done to our forefathers, for our forefathers in Egypt, on the 15th of Nisan, because it says, where does he mention going out of Egypt? It completely omitted. Again. Mitzvah it's a positive mitzvah of the Torah, to tell, about the miracles and wonders. It doesn't even mention the going out of Egypt. And the verse that he quotes is, The verse mentions going out of Egypt and nothing to do with miracles. The Rambam says the way you fulfill the commandment in the verse is to talk about the miracles and doesn't mention the going out of Egypt. Going out of Egypt was a miracle. But again, you don't move away from Shat. Again, Sipur Yetzias Mitzrayim, the telling of the story of the Exodus. Going out of Egypt. The Pasuk says, remember the day you left Egypt. And he says, the mitzvah is to tell, the f- to tell about the miracles that happened in Egypt on this night. Uh, all the miracles that led up to it. What's going on? The miracles? I would say the miracles were the style. It was miraculous. The main things were redeemed. Miracles are nice, of course. Very impressive. Very important. How is the telling of the miracles, the fulfilling of the telling the story of the Exodus? Listen to what he says later. Mitzvah lebodim. The mitzvah is to specifically tell the children, even if they never asked. Shenema, because it says, Tell your son. That means even if he didn't ask you. That's how we learn one of the four sons, right? The one who doesn't know how to ask. You have to tell him. 
How do you tell the child? According to the wisdom and understanding, maturity of the child, the father teaches him. How? If the child was very small or very undeveloped intellectually, you say, my son, we were all slaves. Like this maidservant, like this slave. You, you grab one of the many slaves walking around your home. You grab one of the servants and you say, My son, we were like this uh, this maidservant. Or like this, but there's a very important educational uh, principle is that you need to demonstrate for children. right? You don't tell. You have to show. Better still get them to move it themselves, act it out themselves. And on this night, Hashem redeemed us. And took us out of freedom. Oh, here you imagine the story. To a little child who's too small to understand anything more. You tell him Hashem took us out and we were freed. But if the child was older and had enough wisdom, you tell him what happened in Egypt and the miracles that happened to us. By means of Everything goes according to the maturity of the child. Well, yes, again, the same thing. If the child too young to understand, you tell him. But as soon as he was a little older than that, you tell him, great miracles occurred. So you see, it was no accident that the Rambam began like that. He obviously holds that in anyone who has any ability to understand, the telling of the story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim is the telling of miracles. And that is very peculiar. Why is the essence of the exodus of the Jewish people the fact that it was miraculous. That's one question. Another question, which is extremely difficult to understand, is why the whole Torah is based on this. Everything we do is Zeiche Litzias Mitzvah. Zeiche Litzias Mitzvah. Kiddush. Mitzvahs. Dozens. How many mitzvahs in the Torah? Tfilin and Mezuzah and, and Sukkah. Every mitzvah in the Torah virtually. Is Zeiche Litzias Mitzvah. Business mitzvahs. Everything. According to this, the Zecher Litzias Mitzrayim means a Zecher for the miracles of going out of Egypt. Why is that a fundamental? Put the question more deeply. Here's the, here's the real problem. Yitzias Mitzrayim was a prelude to Matan Torah. It was the beginning of a journey that culminated with the giving of the Torah, right? Giving of the Torah was the real, the real thing. That was the destination of the journey. That's where everything came clear. We met Hashem. So why is everything we do Zecher Litzias Mitzrayim? Why is everything we do not Zeichel and Matan Torah? Could it be that just getting out or doing something itself is not, is not the essence of Jewishness, but it's the fact that God provided us with the original impetus, the miracle to do so, that made us into a godly people. Therefore, that's the important part, not the actual journey itself. Not outside. the journey, but the culmination. Let's say he began the process. That, yeah. Along those lines, uh, possibly not quite as well answered, but this, uh, for the initial step of actually getting the miracle is actually getting us out of Mitzrayim. We had to come out of Mitzrayim yeah. to, be, to be a people. Yeah. And without being a people, we couldn't receive Torah. But again, you don't, you don't remember a journey for the de- point of departure. You can't get to the destination unless you departed, right? But this is what you remember. 
It's the method. It's the method. When you, when you, when, when many years in the future you pull out your, your photograph album, your wedding album, don't dwell on the pictures of the engagement. <laughs> there was a wedding. Yeah, there was a time we met Hashem. That's where we exploded into another world. So you go back to the moment that prepared us for that. Why is it not Zechel and Matan Torah? That was the culmination. The 50th day, we blew out into another world. Shekenim and Shikas Pisha kiss us with the kisses of his mouth. We keep longing for. We died then. Nafshi My soul left me when he spoke. That was a moment of indescribable love and closeness. So everything we do, Zechel and Shikas Pisha, that's where it began. We were, we were undeveloped then. You know, the Korban Pesach. The korban Omer on the first day of the Omer is barley. Barley is animal food. The korban Taita, the korban that we bring in Shavuos, is 13 times sifted flour that only humans eat. And all the Mephoshim says it's a journey from the animal to the human. Your consciousness only opened up in Mitzrayim. And then you reach full consciousness. You meet Hashem. That's the combination. We keep going back to the moment it began. Why? Furthermore, this is difficult stuff. One second, one second. Listen to the Rambam. The Rambam says this in, in Hilchas Yisraelia Torah. Moshe Rabbeinu, by the way, one mystery here, you see, he says you have to tell the children that all the miracles that happened in Egypt, al yudei Moshe Rabbeinu. By means of Moshe. And the whole Haggadah is not mentioned. The way we fulfill this mitzvah is by telling the story in the Haggadah, right? And it essentially says that it happened by means of Moshe. And Vashim said again and again. He's not mentioned in the Haggadah. His name appears once by accident almost. He quotes an apostle. First of all, why it's essential that he's the focus? And why don't we say his name? Listen to this. Moshe Rabbeinu, the Jewish people did not believe in him because of the miracles that he did. Yeah, we just heard that the th- main thing to tell the children yeah, is the, the miracles in Egypt. But we didn't believe because of miracles. Because somebody who believes by means of miracles has something imperfect in his heart. Dofi means, it means a taste, an adulterating taste. Right? Like you have a pot that absorbs the flavor, so that yeah, you have a certain halachas. That means the, the dofi, the the, the adulterating taste does not come out. Yeah, you, have to, you have to do certain things to get the taste out. Dofi means something imperfect. A person who believes by means of miracles, yesh beliboy dofi, there's something inadequate, something not perfect in his, in his belief. Why? Because the miracle could have been done by sorcery. Sorcery? Throw a stick on the ground, becomes a serpent. Egyptians could do that. So when you believe because of miracles, because it's always theoretically possible that this is done by manipulation of the natural, so your connection to Hashem is not perfect. So then why did miracles happen in Egypt? Why did miracles happen in Egypt? If, if, if Hashem's demonstrating His presence, right, by blowing away nature, and the Rambam says, well, you know, that's always, it's always problematic. What's Hashem doing? Give us second class, second class evidence. And furthermore, and the Rama has to say that the miracles were done for a completely different reason. All the miracles that Moshe Rabbeinu did in the desert, only because they were necessary. 
Not to bring any proof to his prophecy. They're not there to prove anything. The Mitzrim needed to be drowned. Hashem tore the sea apart. Drowned them. We needed food. Gave us manna for 40 years. Samu, they were thirsty. He split the rock. Kafro Badas Kerach, Kerach made a rebellion. Bala Aretzesan, the earth swallowed them. Vechen Shakalaisis. All the other miracles were done because they were needed. Mufoshim have all different explanations. The, the Ramban will see a different reason entirely. The Bala Leshem says the miracles were done because whenever the Jewish people's destiny threatens to move offline, they need to be brought, we need to be brought back onto the destiny of history, and it has to be miraculous to show that that's not possible. Nothing to do with proving Hashem's presence. But to prove the, 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 the inexorable destiny of the process of the Jewish people. So they're not there to prove Hashem. To prove Hashem's existence. So why do we believe in Hashem? Only because we stood at Sinai. Our eyes saw no stranger. And our ears heard and no one else. The fire and the sounds and the flames. Moshe Rabbeinu went into, this, into, the, into the mist. And the voice spoke to him. And we heard. We heard Hashem saying, Moshe, Moshe, go and tell. Why does he say Moshe, Moshe, by the way? Why does the Rambam mention Moshe, Moshe? Because it's the only time in the Torah when a person's name is mentioned twice in perfect in perfect symmetry it means all other times a person's name is mentioned like Hashem says Avram Avram so you look there in the timing the trop you'll see there's a there's a there's a pause Avram Avram pause meaning always when the Torah uses a person's name twice the concept is his higher sense his higher revelation and his lower one there's always two Parts to the person, right? Always. Yitzchak Avinu is a person who is walking through this world, but he's also the one who was sacrificed. His ashes are always piled on the Mizbech, and he walks in the higher world, and he walks here. Always two. Avram, Avram. Hashem calls to him in his higher self, his neshama, and he calls to him in his manifestation in the world, and there's always a split. There's only one person who has no gap. That's Moshe, Moshe. He's here and here the same. In that world, in this world, he lives in this world, in that world, makes no difference. The only person to separate from his wife, the only person who can speak to Hashem at any time. Yep, he's in a different world completely. So therefore, we heard, Moshe, Moshe, the one who is that individual, Lech, go and tell him, Kach v'kach. The Rambam says, elsewhere that we heard Hashem say that only with the first two Debris, the Rambam says we heard Hashem tell the whole Torah like that. We heard Hashem instruct him, which means we didn't take it on trust, as it were. We heard. True, we didn't hear all the mitzvahs from Hashem. We only heard the first two. The rest we heard from Moshe, but we heard Hashem telling Moshe, and because we heard, we were Nevi'im ourselves, that was the direct experience. Hashem spoke to you face to face. And then it goes on to say, not only your forefathers, not only with Karas Hashem but yeah, with, with all the Jewish people, for all the generations. How do we know that Matan Torah, standing at Sinai, was the only proof of Moshe Rabbeinu's prophecy? She emes, that was true. She ain't boy doifi, that has none of this 
imperfect knowledge. Hashem says, I will come to you in the thickness of the cloud. So that the people will hear when I speak to you. And that's why they'll believe in you forever. We can conclude they didn't believe in Moshe Rabbeinu properly. A belief that will last forever. But rather a belief that always has second thoughts. Second thoughts. Think over it. Possibly doubt it. Machshava. Is it true? Not true? Could it be illusion? Could it be sorcery? And it goes on to all sorts of discussion about why miracles were not necessary and why they happened later and why not. So we have here a very, very problematic thing. We're going back to Yitzhak Mitzrayim the whole time. And the essence of Yitzhak Mitzrayim is the Nisim and the, the Oisos, the miracles. And yet the Ramam tells us, the same Ramam tells us that the miracles are not conclusive. Because miracles could always be done through sorcery. And if you believe in Hashem because you saw miracles, it's not complete. So the problem is, why were the miracles done? Why were the miracles done in Egypt if they're not conclusive? <coughs> the only thing that was conclusive was Matan Torah. So that's conclusive. And many problems with this. Problem one. What does he mean the miracles are not conclusive that you have doubts? Hashem clearly says in the Torah that the miracles were done in Egypt that you should know. Laman, Teda, She'en Kamoni You should know there's no one like me. He said that in Mitzrayim. Laman, Teda, that, 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 um, five or six times it says in Mitzrayim Hashem says I'm going to do the following one of the makas, the plagues that you should know that I'm in charge but one second if you only know that he's in charge in a doubtful kind of a way and by the way even more problematic is those verses were all said to the Egyptians go and tell Pari that I'm going to do the following makah that you should know that I am Hashem that there's no one like me Said to the Egyptians. So the Egyptians were expected to get the message. Well, how do you expect them to get the message if it's not conclusive? How do you expect to go to an Egyptian who's an expert in sorcery and say, watch what's going to happen and you do a miracle and expect him to believe? He knows better than you that things can be done through sorcery. And the Ramam says that no miracle is conclusive. So how can Hashem say, I'm now going to prove to you who I am. Here's a miracle. And it's subject to problems. The only thing that's not subject to a problem is standing at Sinai. You never showed that to the Egyptians. So, so again, if you need to stand at Sinai to know who Hashem is, can't hold the Egyptians accountable in Egypt. And if the miracles are enough to hold them accountable, why do we need to stand at Sinai? And furthermore, it's very clear, if this isn't difficult enough, it's very clear that the miracles are enough. For all the problem that they got, Yishbeli Bodefi. Why? Because Hashem clearly demonstrated them in Egypt to show who He was. And not only that, the Egyptians got the message. They did not say it's sorcery. On the contrary, they said, and the Egyptians were the last ones interested in admitting. They got the message, loud and clear. And one second. And secondly, are you going to say sorcery? A man throws his stick on the ground, becomes a snake, and you're an expert sorcerer. But manna falling for 40 years? Did anybody in his wildest dreams suggest there was some kind of sorcery? The sea splitting and drowning all the Egyptians. 
Did anybody think it might, might be sorcery? You're talking about ten plagues, right? The river changing, turning to blood, all water. You're talking about, you're talking about miracles that were beyond understanding. You know, doesn't the water change to blood? And, you know, the kids think that, you understand, the miracles that occurred in Egypt, we call Nesbesechnes. They were an order of miracles that is a revelation of the Shem Hashem, Yudke Vavke. Not the ordinary miracles that occurred to the Avos. What happened to Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov was called Shem Elohim. Avram's thrown into a fire and it doesn't burn him. Why? Because the fire is not allowed to burn him. In Mitzrayim, you have the kind of miracle like happened later, Hananim, Shem, and Zari, throw into fire, and fire does burn them and doesn't burn them. You're talking about miracles that enter the paradoxical impossibility. After Mitzrayim, when Hashem showed His name, miracles that occur make no sense. The Orin is put into the Kurdish Kedoshim and occupies no space. It doesn't shrink, because then it would be possible. The Kurdish Kedoshim doesn't expand, because then it would be possible. You measure from wall to wall, you get one measurement. You measure from wall to Orin, you get the same measurement. Not talking about a contraction or expansion, a first order miracle. You're talking about a second order miracle where things don't make sense, where the measurements don't make sense anymore, where Hashem is doing two opposite things at the same time. The Swasema says they walked through the sea on dry land in the sea. They walked in the midst of the ocean on dry land, not where the ocean had been. There was ocean there. They walked through the sea on dry land. Was it split or not? Both. How is that possible? No. That's Yud Kevavke. Hashem's name is the opposites, many being one. How can Hashem be Echad? How can Hashem be everything that is separate and be one at the same time? That's the paradoxical Gilu of Yus. Yedi and Bechira, that you have free will and He knows beforehand. It's the same problem. Din and Rachamim, that the world is built on Din and yet there's kindness as well. Impossible, you can't do that. Din means Din. Din means 100%. 99.9 is not Din. It's not almost Din. Din means exact. You can't have exact and not exact. Rachami means not exact. You get extension. Din means no extension. They happen at the same time. It's all in the name UK Vavke. So, there's a, the, the, the water changed to blood. You know that if the Egyptian had it, it was water. When the Jew took it, it was blood. Excuse me. When the Egyptian had it, it was blood. The Jew took it, it was water. So the kids think, you know, it changed rapidly. You know what happens, the Medrash says, if a Jew had a glass of water and the Egyptian tried to drink it, it became blood in the Egyptian's mouth. You know that. So the kids think, well, you know, it's like a rapid shift. It's a glass of water. Egyptian takes it, it's blood. Gets back to the Jew, it's water. No, it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that at all. It means it was water for us and blood for them. At the same time. Why did they take it then? If, I mean... No, if they paid. If they paid, it says that if they paid, they were able to drink. They had to buy it. But again, you're talking about an Egyptian. Tries to, he's thirsty, right? So he comes to the Jew and he grabs the cup and it's blood. It doesn't mean that. It means that if he drinks from the same cup, he puts his mouth on the Jew's mouth. It's water for the Jew and blood for him. It doesn't mean it does a rapid change act. It's a paradoxical duality at the same time. It is. The Maral says, when the sun stopped for you, should only stop for us. So for us, the rest of the world carried on. Hashem is revealing himself. You came after. So they got the message, the Egyptians. Those miracles, nobody's going to say those are Kishuf. Sorcery. And Hashem demonstrated them in Egypt for us to get the message. And we keep saying, Zechelitzius Mitzrayim. That's good enough for us. We keep going back to it. The Rabban says so many mitzvahs in the Torah take us back there. And furthermore, if you say, well, you know, it's always doubt is possible. I've got news for you. Sinai is also possible to doubt. Also possible. See, the way they usually present this in an inadequate fashion is, 
this Rambam, people usually present, they say, you know why we stood at Sinai? Because we are very skeptical people. And the miracles in Egypt were not 100% proof. They're not completely convincing. So that we should have a faith that would last throughout history. Hashem took us to Sinai and He gave him an experience. He gave us an experience that is completely this beyond doubt. That's how they used to present it. The miracles in Egypt were 98% clear, <laughs> 99%. But yes, believe Doifi, there's always a percentage of doubt. We said a Matan Torah, 100%. But you see, that's wrong. First of all, standing at Sinai is not 100%. Not 100%. You could wake up the next morning and think. Uh, Rav Tzadok says if Aristotle would have been at Sinai, the next day he would have proved a hundred proofs to Moshe Rabbeinu that it could not have happened the day before. It couldn't have happened. It's a, it's a massive hallucination. It's possible. The reason is because there's no absolute knowledge possible. The human mind's not capable. If there were absolute knowledge, you'd have no free will. So you stood at Sinai and you died and you had no word. The next day, maybe you were dreaming. Maybe you're dreaming now. The reason is you can never know anything for sure. Whether it's miracles or meeting Hashem. In that sense. Are you awake? For example, are you awake right now? Those of you who are. Are you awake right now? Yeah? Are you sure? Can you be absolutely sure? No. Maybe you're dreaming. Maybe you're back in bed dreaming that you're attending a wonderful shir. <laughs> At the JLE. And you're dreaming. The fact that you feel awake doesn't matter. Because when you're dreaming, you feel you're awake. That's why you can be so terrified in a dream. So the fact that you know you're awake is completely irrelevant. In a dream, you also know you're awake. Maybe just now you're going to wake up and sit up in bed and realize you. Is it possible? Is it realistic or relevant? No. But it's possible. Nothing. Nothing can be known absolutely. Is it? Is it? Yeah. I'd like to ask something about that because I heard like a, a, the same question asked. When God brings proof, the reason that we're awake now is that um, if you're ever sitting in the room, can attest tomorrow okay. that we're all yeah. So not tomorrow. Like, now, are you aware now? Can you be absolutely knowing now? And tomorrow, when they attest, maybe you're dreaming it again, again, again. But Don't get confused. What's the difference? Device, but yeah. maybe you're dreaming that he's talking. Sure. I mean. Again, again, there's no such thing as absolute. No, don't get confused. You can't know anything for sure. Is it daytime now or nighttime? Can you be sure? Maybe not. Maybe there's like a special trick going on, and it's night, and they like changed everything, and like you slept an extra 12 hours, and they've done special lighting. Like, is it possible? Yeah. If you think that, you need your head red. You need a doctor. But it's possible. Yeah. Huh? Yes, of course. Russell has a famous demonstration that you can't know anything. Russell showed that the world might be only five minutes old. Maybe the world popped into existence five minutes ago with all your memories in, in place. Was it possible? It's, it's possible, but it's irrelevant. Of course. So listen, listen. I'm, say, I'm suggesting to you something that's a very deep challenge. First of all, the miracles in Egypt that the Rambam says were inadequate, in a sense, they leave something lacking. I'm suggesting to you that Matan Torah doesn't cover that base, especially not when you're hearing it from your parents and grandparents. And secondly, and secondly, if Matan Torah is a clincher, then why do you need the miracles? It comes out the miracles in Egypt are almost irrelevant, almost unnecessary. If they yesh believe Doifi. And obviously they were adequate. They were good enough. We keep going back to them. And the Egyptians got the message then. 
suggest something. Perhaps that the miracles were there to bring us to a high enough spiritual level to receive the Torah. The Torah. So talk about the Torah, not the preparation. Well, the miracles. But maybe we need it still today. You talk about you won the championship, not the time you started training and you got blisters on your hand and so <laughs> Brought you to a level. But that's not the combination. So why do we keep saying Zacharias? What are you talking about? It's our Torah. We keep going back there. So let that be for the Goyim. And Mutton Torah be for us. That's not how we say it. What? But talk about where it happened, not where it came from. If what, where it came from is inadequate, you believe there you've got a problem. You've got an imperfection in your heart. So talk about where the per- perfection... Not talk about that. He's talking about the beginning. The beginning. The things that happened in Mitzrayim where we were just beginning the journey. We hadn't done anything yet for ourselves. Listen to what he says, the Ramban. Slowly, one piece at a time. Raki right? You have to remember all these things, says the Ramban. Don't forget these things that you stood at Matan Torah. This is a mitzvah's essay. The, the fire and the flames and the sounds. And Hashem revealed himself. And the words you heard, Mitoich Aish. And tell all these things that you saw. You have to keep telling them to your children, to the last generation. And the reason is, Hashem took us to Sinai to learn to fear Him. And you've got to teach your children forever. Do them like this and don't forget them. And Hashem makes it a special mitzvah. You shouldn't forget this. That you have to stand at that event of Sinai. We should never take it out of our hearts. You know, the, the, all the Zechiris, right? The six Zechiris that we say every day after, after Shachris. Remember, and you've got to remember Shabbos and Maisa Miriam and so forth. Rav Shapiro pointed out very beautifully that all of the six, only five are phrased as remembering. One is phrased as not forgetting. Very beautiful. Five of the six say, remember. There's only one that's Matan Torah that's phrased as do not forget. Take great care. Yeah? Lest you forget the day you stood at Matan Torah. So he said very beautifully, a command to remember presupposes that you didn't remember. You're not thinking about a thing. I say remember, you recall. A command not to forget means I assume you're there. Don't move away. Again, tell somebody to, what you call remind, that means I've got to recall it. Why? I wasn't thinking about it then. See, it permits you every day to recall it. But matan Torah, your hearts and eyes should be there always. You're always standing on Sinai. The mitzvah is to not move away. Not occasionally remember. That's where you live. The Ramban says the Mishkan was a portable Sinai. Portable Sinai. Mephoshim say that even the Kruvim on top of the Aron were like the flames on top of Matan Torah. The Kruvim with their, with their wings, right, made out of gold. Fire is the same middle. You know that gold is din and fire is din. The fire on top, the, the, the Aron where the Torah was, with the Kruvim on top, was like the Aron, like Hashem appearing in Matan Torah and Sinai with the fire on top of the mountain. 
There's a portable Har Sinai, and just like we heard Hashem speaking at Sinai, Moshe Rabbeinu heard Hashem speaking from between the two Kruvim. That's where you live. Wherever the Aron goes, we go. Wherever we go, the Aron goes. That, that's, yeah. So you should never take it out of your heart. So, excuse me, if that's the mitzvah, how come all of Shachris, basically, is Zechel Etzias Mitzrayim? Where do you mention this? If, you, if, you, if you're still holding by six Zechiris at the end of Shachris, if you haven't rushed out by then, then you remember Matan Torah. But in the Brochas, in the Tfilis, it's all Zechel Etzias Mitzrayim. Why is it not Zechel and Matan Torah? Vato'eles b'mitzvah ze is gedele me'oid. There's a tremendous benefit, this mitzvah. Yeah, tremendous up. Because if the Torah came to us only through Moshe Rabbeinu, <coughs> whose prophecy was validated only by miracles and wonders, then later if a prophet would arrive or <coughs> arise, or a dreamer of dreams, and command us the opposite of Torah, and give us a sign of a miracle, a doubt would enter the hearts of people. Why? Go on a second, one second, just give me a moment. Because we only experience the whole thing through miracles and wonders. And therefore, if a prophet arises and does a miracle and wonder, now you're going to be in two minds. But since the Torah came to us from Hashem Himself, not through any demonstration, by inference, by seeing miracles in the world, to the ears and eyes that saw beautiful. You hear what he says? Amazing. To the, our ears and our eyes that saw. Isn't that beautiful? It should be to our ears that heard and our eyes that saw. He didn't say that. He says to our ears and eyes that saw. Because it says, Isn't that beautiful? It says they saw the sounds. At Matantara, whatever that means, without going into it now. They saw the sounds. It's the Ramban's Baduyuk. He says, because we stood at Sinai and our ears and eyes saw. Isn't that beautiful? No? Are you with me? Why doesn't he say, our ears heard and our eyes saw? Why does he say, our ears and our eyes saw? Because then there was only seeing. There was no intermediary. You know, ears are always intermediary. The ears here, you reconstruct. You make the own story yourself. When you see it, clear. That's why a witness can only testify when he sees. When we saw it ourselves, if a prophet arises and says different, we'll contradict any dissenter, anyone who brings doubts, and we'll say he's a liar. No sign will help him. And no miracle will save him. Because we know that he's a liar. Why? We know that he's a liar. And that's what it says, because he will believe in you forever. And furthermore, when we say this thing over to our children, they will know They will know that it was true. They'll have no doubt. As if all the generations saw this. Because we would never say 
false testimony to our children. We wouldn't give them as an inheritance an empty thing. Something that doesn't help. They will never have any doubts in our testimony that we testify to them. They'll certainly believe that we all saw with our eyes. What does he mean, the Rambam? The Rambam's telling you that because we had a personal experience, our children are going to believe us without any doubt. We see it's not true. You didn't see children having doubts? Children that the parents told that the children have disappeared? What's the Rambam mean? The Rambam says that because we saw it ourselves, this is a personal experience, we could contradict any prophet who arises and does wonders and signs because we had better than wonders and signs. We got to know Hashem ourselves. And that that intensity of, of certainty goes so far that when we tell our children we'll go to the final generation, there's no possibility that child will doubt. What's he mean? Why is there no possibility? And we see that they don't. So let's try to understand this very, very hard subject. But it's fundamental, nothing more basic than this. The the, the clearest way to say it is this. <coughs> let's start with the wrong version. The wrong version of understanding this Rambam and this Ramban. And unfortunately it's taught this way. It's taught this way. But it's not right. It's taught like this. The miracles in Egypt were not conclusive. Not conclusive. The Jewish people are skeptical people. Dubious types. So we had to be taken to Sinai. When Hashem took us to Sinai, that clinched it. Now it was a personal experience. That you couldn't deny. Usually the, the, the crude way it's put is like this. The experience in Egypt was a 98% proof. 99%. Amazing what happened. 100%. We stood at Sinai... 100% proof. Now, there's no debate, no discussion, personal experience. Now, that clinches it. And the only reason that anybody needs to believe in Torah now, unlike any other religion or system or cult or sect, is because we claim we had a personal experience. No one else ever claims that. No one else in history has ever claimed a mass revelation. No one in history has ever even claimed that Hashem appeared to them as a mass who are able to tell that story over. Not even more than one individual at a time. And we say we experienced it personally. Miracles is not good enough. They also claim miracles. Yeah, Christians have miracles. Testified by one or a few. And miracles, and that's the way it's put in. That's not good. That's not good. That's not what's meant. Let me share with you why. First of all, the miracles were good enough. The miracles are not 98%. The miracles were whatever percentage is needed is good enough. Let's get something clear. First of all, 100%, let's call it 100% knowledge, is not possible. 100% knowledge is not possible. If it were, there'd be no free will. What you call in English absolute knowledge is not possible. You can't know that you're awake. Like we said, you might be dreaming. Absolute knowledge is not possible. If you stood at Sinai and had that knowledge, the next day, the next day you could have said to yourself, it's a mass hallucination. Mass hypnosis. There's no such thing as absolute. You know what the Ramban says? The Ramban says nothing in Torah can ever be known completely. You know that? Listen to the Ramban. 
The Ramban says, Ki ein b'tayoseinu, this he says in Agdoma to the, is, 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 um, the Baal, the Melchomos. Listen to these words. He says that in our Torah, amazing, amazing statement. He says, what I'm going to tell you in my commentary here, don't squeeze yourself through the eye of a needle. Don't put yourself through the eye of a needle to try to de- de- deflect what I'm, my proofs. Don't be... The thing is not like that. In other places it says, It is known by anybody who learns our Torah, that there's nothing in the discussion and debate of its interpreters, absolute proofs. And not with the sharpest of questions. There's no such thing in Torah. A clear sign, a clear clincher. Like you have in engineering or mathematics. That means Torah doesn't even amount to engineering or mathematics in its clarity. Isn't that amazing? By the way, in mathematics, we don't have that either. Fine, fine, fine. As is well known. But not even that in Torah. This is Torah Kedusha. The Ramban says there's no absolute knowledge. So it means this. What is possible in human, what is possible in human knowledge? What's possible in human knowledge is always knowledge that is adequate. There's never absolute knowledge. And by the way, you never demand absolute knowledge because you know it's not in your experience. Whatever you do in life, you never achieve an absolute knowledge. But you have a working knowledge that is adequate. In practical matters, when you trust a surgeon or you fly on a plane or you do something really dangerous like get married, (laughs) you never know for sure. What do you know? You know with a certain degree of certainty. That is good enough. When, when, what, 70%, 80, 90, 95, whatever the knowledge is that anyone ever comes to you and says, I want proof in religion, meaning 100% is insincere, is insincere and dishonest. Because he doesn't ask for that in any other of his life because he can't. What a person should ask for in Torah, in religion, is evidence at least as good as every other area. That's fine. And that we can match up to. Absolute knowledge, you can't get that any place. Do you know for sure you're Jewish? It's not relevant. There's a knowledge here that is, you reach a level of, you reach a level of adequate knowledge. That standard we can meet. So it comes out like this. Standing at Matan Torah was not absolute. Proofs could be brought against it. Doubts could be raised subsequently. And conversely, the Nisim in Mitzrayim were good enough. They're definitely good enough. The Egyptians got the message. Egyptians were supposed to get the message. And they got the message. Egyptians who had plenty of expertise in Kishu. And were not looking to validate our experience. They got the message. And secondly, what do you mean Kishu is possible? That may apply to a stick becoming a snake. Are you going to say that for 40 years of manna in the desert? Or the ocean splitting and drowning the Egyptians? Did anybody suggest that that would be that, that sorcery? So it comes out like this. The miracles in Egypt were good enough. They got the point across. And Hashem says time and again, that you should know who I am by means of the miracle. Hashem is saying that. He wants you to know. 
Hashem is not saying, well, you won't know completely. Yes, believe Chadoifi. Hashem says, I'm going to do a miracle, and you will know. And they did know. So then, what's the Rambam mean? That there's some imperfection in your knowledge. And what does it mean that you had to get to Torah, to Matan Torah, where there's no imperfection? Matan Torah is also not 100%. You see their doubts. And in Egypt, it was good enough. So the answers along these lines, it's much more subtle and much more sophisticated than whether it was 98 or 100%. That's not the point. Listen carefully. This is how it works. When you have a proof through a miracle, the proof is adequate. There's no problem with that. Right? When, when, when the river turns to blood and the hail comes down with fire and the sea splits and the Egyptians, one after another, you get the message. The Egyptians got the message. There was nobody denying. Nobody in Egypt was there saying, you know, maybe this is faked and forged. They got the message. And to this day, we go back to that. That was as clear as it gets. It doesn't get better. There's no more knowledge that you can get that's better than that. It's good enough. But it's indirect knowledge. It's by inference. Sea turns to blood. The river turns to blood. Mm, nature's not what it seems. Somebody controlling this. He's all-powerful. And he punishes where it's thing. And he chooses the Jewish people. And as Ashgah, the Ramban says, you learn all the Ikrim, but you learn them by inference. Hashem is behind a screen. And he says, watch the show. And hell comes down with fire and the river turns to blood. You start to get a knowledge of who is, but you don't meet him personally. Again, gentlemen, it's not a question of not getting to know what's going on. You get to know it as securely as you can know anything. But it's not personal contact. When you get to Matan Torah, it's personal experience. It's not that it makes you more sure, but now you meet the one. You know, if you get engaged long distance, it happens these days. It happens. It used to happen by letter, now it happens instantaneously, right? <coughs> long distance. You see the picture. Looks nice. Let us talk. Doubt that she's there? It's not real. Somebody's avatar. It's not the point. The point is that it's indirect. Marriage is a personal experience. Personal experience. It's not that it clinches it. You wake up the next morning. Could you have been dreaming the night before? Yeah. Could have been. The difference is that the miracles in Mitzrayim brought us to know Hashem at a distance through an intermediary through observing the natural become unnatural. There's an inference. There's a secure knowledge, but it's not a personal knowledge. When we came to Matan Torah, we got married to Hashem. Nafshi Yatsubadabra, my soul left me when he spoke. That's a marital experience. It's a whole different experience. That's not for Egyptians. That's only for us. The experience in Egypt was that we got to know Hashem by inference. We can conclude as certainly as you can conclude anything. There's something going on here. And who he is and what he must be and all his qualities. But that's not a, And that's all an Egyptian's capable of. He doesn't have a marital relationship with Hashem. We were taken to Matan Torah not to have a better proof, but to get married and to become one with him. Rav Shapiro put it like this, and I've never heard a more beautiful way of saying it. He said, people think that Egypt was not a complete proof. And Matan Torah was a complete proof. It's not a matter of the intensity of the proof. It's a matter of the quality of the knowledge. Isn't that beautiful? 
We didn't go to Matan Torah for a more intense proof. We went for a different kind of knowledge. Before it was proved, QED, the calculations were done, the signs were there. There was, but then we actually came one with him, met him. That's the Jewish people's role. Yesh beliboy doifi means there's an imperfection in your heart when you believe through miracles. When you believe, not when you disbelieve, you believe through miracles. But the imperfection is you haven't made personal contact. That means you could put it like, theoretically it could have been done some other way. Theoretically. Not that you think it was. But modern Torah, it's no theory, there's no, this is it, you, you become one with it. You know it as a... Is it possible that that's also false? Yeah, but you need your head read. If I say to you, is it daytime now or nighttime? You say it's daytime. Do you know it? You know it. I start telling you, well, you know, maybe your nerves got switched and they zapped your brain and somebody put your... Is it possible? You need, your, you need a doctor if you think that. Personal knowledge, personal knowledge doesn't mean that it's not possible that you're wrong. That's not the point. It's personal knowledge. It's experience. Experience is completely different. The Jewish people lived an experience of that. We were taken to Torah, to Matan Torah for the experience. We weren't taken there to have a better level of proof. Is this clear? No, I haven't explained. No, I know. No, no. Okay. Slowly. One piece at a time. One piece at a time. Now the question becomes even stronger. If Matan Torah is a personal experience, now we should really be going back there. We should live there all the time, like the Ramban says. You That's where we live. We've been sick with love through that experience. We'll be able to tear ourselves away. So now everything we should be should be Zechel and Matan Torah. And we keep going back to Zechel, it's yes, Mitzvah. Why do we want to do that? So the Ramban says this. Yeah, here's the key. Again, there's a lot more to say, and much more to say. But let's read the famous Ramban. This is the last Ramban in, in, in Pasha's boy. Probably the most famous Ramban of all, best known. Let me read you the words. First of all, the Ramban says that the mitzvahs take us back to Matan Torah. Right? The Ramban says the mitzvahs, <coughs> Tfilin, for example, the passage that he's going on here is, They should be for Tfilin, between your eyes. Says the, the Ramban that all these mitzvahs are done to take us back to the experience of going out of Egypt to teach us. Right? What do people say? He said that people come along and say that uh, yeah, idolatry began in the world. The people began saying Hashem isn't around, or He doesn't care about the world, or He doesn't, He's not Mashgiach, He doesn't take care of us. Uh, they deny Hashem's Ashgacha. They make people like fish. Hashem is not concerned with each one. Hashem doesn't take care of them. Hashem is not connected to the world. When Hashem wants a community or an individual, and He does a miracle, he performs a miracle and changes the natural. Then all that stuff disappears. People saying that Hashem is not around. Because when Hashem does a miraculous event, it teaches that the world has a God. Who creates it and knows what's going on. And takes care of and is all powerful. Like the Ramban says, he says, let's try and taught you all of these principles. And when that wonder or miracle is announced beforehand, 
then you know the prophet's true. So all comes out. That Hashem speaks to human being. All the ikrim. Hashem exists. That is all powerful. That is mashgiach. That he does reward and punishment. That nevuah is true. All these ikrim fundamentals come out of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. The miracles taught us that before we went to Baton Torah. Hashem reveals his secret to the prophets. The whole Torah stands on this. And that's why the Torah says, when it comes to the miracles, the order that you should know, that I am Hashem in the world. In the world. Hashem does not leave the world to, to happenstance. That you should know that Hashem owns the world. That He created the world. That there's no one like me in the world. There's no one powerful like me. Now we can stop Him. The miracles come to teach you all the principles of Emona. The miracles are not to prove that Hashem exists. They, they're mitzvah. The miracles take you back to teach you all the principles that you need to know. In the world. Listen carefully. And all the mitzvahs take, make you conscious of that, says the Ramban. When you wear tefillin, it takes you back to that because it says, Yitzhak Mitzrayim. When you build a sukkah, it takes you back to remembering Yitzhak Mitzrayim. When you put a mezuzah on your door, it takes you back to Yitzhak Mitzrayim. What does it take you back to? To the moment when all these miracles occurred and taught you all the elements of Ashkocha. Don't need Matan Torah for that. This is where you learn all these things. You learn Emunah like this. You learn all the elements of Emunah. What for? Why? Listen carefully. And from these incredible miracles that teach you all of these things and teach you all the elements of Adam, you are able to conclude from this that all the hidden events in the world, which are the fundamentals of the Torah, listen carefully, nobody has a share in the Torah of Moshe. Until you believe that all the things that happen to us and all the events in the world, that they are all miracles. There's no such thing as nature or a natural path in the world. Whether it was in public or in private. Meaning that when you go back to Matan, to, to Zechelitzias Mitzrayim, and you remind yourself of all the miracles that taught you all the Ikrim. All the Ikra that Hashem is powerful and He can do whatever He wants and He exists and He creates the world and He takes care and He's Mashgech. What do you get out of that? You suddenly realize that because Hashem demonstrated all these things miraculously and He is all these things, that the things that happen naturally in the world are exactly the same. What He calls Nisim Nistorim. From all the revealed miracles you see that all the things that happen that are hidden are the same thing. The miracles at Matan Torah. Or a mitzvah. The mitzvah is to teach you that all the natural aspects of the world are not natural. Listen to his words. She'en, you don't have a chelik b'teres Moshe. You don't have a chelik in the Torah. In other words, the Torah was given at Sinai where you met Hashem personally and you knew who He was. You have no chelik in that Torah unless you can take it back into nature. And you can go back and say that the natural world that we experience now... Zechelitzius Mitzrayim means what we're interested in is living in a natural world and knowing that this is the same world that danced to those tunes, that demonstrated that miraculous thing. Of course, when you got to Matan Torah, you found out who the one is who's doing all this. You know what the process means? Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim means you experienced a blaze of miracles. 
From this you realize who's running the world. Then finally you meet him. Ooh, he's the one that I married and became one with who's doing all of this. Which means you now move through the world, through history. And you experience the natural world. And everything that happens naturally you know, know for sure is not natural. But something else is moving all of this. And you don't have to be Jewish for that. An Egyptian could know the same thing. But the only thing an Egyptian can't know is, but I know who's doing this personally. And that's the process. The process is leaving Egypt taught you who's running the show. And all about him. Right? And that you don't have to be Jewish for. You just have to have a sense, a brain in your head, to see that when all these miracles occur, it teaches you about who it is. And that's good enough for the non-Jewish world. The non-Jewish world should know, because all these things happened, that everything that's natural is not natural, because once those things were perverted and uprooted and controverted, and now you know that they're not natural, but somebody's running them. The only thing is, who's running them? That's an inference. That's an inference. We see he must be all-powerful. He must be all-knowing. He must do justice. He must... That's fine. But they never had a personal, intimate relationship with him. That's only for us. So Matan Torah gives us another thing. It gives us a mari yom chasunosoy. That's the day of our wedding. That kind of knowledge is a different kind of a knowledge. A totally different. It's not a knowledge by inference. Yesh belibu doifi means that there's a gap in your knowledge, meaning you know it as securely as anything. But it's an indirect knowledge. It's, not, it's known by inference. It's not... And that is what happened at Yesh Mitzrayim. When we got to Matan Torah... The yesh belibo doifi disappeared. That means now it becomes a personal knowledge, a first-hand knowledge, an experience, not a knowledge. Is it possible to doubt that? Of course it is, but that's irrelevant. That's like doubting whether it's daytime, or whether you are who you are, or whether you're Jewish, right? Or whether, yeah, whether the world really exists. That's not relevant. The point, whether this can be doubted or that can be doubted is not the point. The point is it now brings you into a zone of personal knowledge. And the point of the personal knowledge is to go back into the natural world. And you have no chelik b'teris ma'isha. You cut off from this unless you know that all the natural experience that you have dances to the same tune. The Maral puts it like this. The whole natural world is built on a t'nai. You know that? On a condition. It says that when Hashem created miracles, He created them with a t'nai. That means He created the natural world in my sebracious and He made a condition with the ocean. You stand horizontal but I'm making it conditional. One day when I want you to stand vertical, you'll stand vertical. He made a condition. So all the Mephoshim ask, and the, Ram, the, the Maral in the second Dagdoma to the Gvuris goes into exquisite detail. What does Hashem need a condition for? This is a condition. It's a condition. Creates to see the way he creates it. Sometime later in history, he changes it. It's a condition. Hashem can't, Hashem can't change the sea unless he made a condition when he created it. What's, what's going on? And by the way, what's incredible is the simple meaning is the condition that he made. Take note, see, stand horizontal. But I make a condition that one day you'll stand vertically. If you look in the Psukim, it sounds like the condition is the horizontal. Because it says, Vachazahayomlaisanoi, the ocean returned to its con- to its original le'esan, to its strength. to its original condition. Well, one second, which was the condition? Surely Hashem made a condition, stand vertical when I order you. It went back to its original condition. Sounds like Hashem made two conditions with the ocean. Condition number one, when I want you to be horizontal, stand horizontal. Condition number one. Condition number two, when I want you vertical, stand vertical. It's exactly the point. The Ramban's teaching you. They're both conditioned. The world stands, they both stand on Hashem's tonight. It means that 
at the moment of creation, when the world was set up naturally, it was set up miraculously in exactly the same way. The one teaches you about the other. It's immature to think, Hashem sets up the world natural. That's the way it's got to be. Then there's a condition. Blah, 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 blah. I reserve the right. When I want you, it's not the point. The whole world is conditional. The whole thing's it's nigh. I make a condition with you that you demonstrate what I want. One of the Mephoshim says that when the sea split, he, Moshe Ben held out his hand, or his staff, right? And the sea split. After they came to the ocean, he had to hold out his hand again for the sea to come back to him. Why have to hold out your hand? No. The miracle happens as long as it's necessary. Hashem doesn't like miracles to happen. They're minimal. As soon as they threw, it should come. No. He had to put it, what, to show you that horizontal is also a nice. It's also it's nice. Split because they hold. And s- in both conditions. Martin Torah, Mitzrayim teaches you that. Yitzhak Mitzrayim teaches you that miracles are there to teach you about the natural. They're also miraculous. And you have no share in Torah's Moshe unless you know that. Torah's Moshe of it. And therefore, those are the two, those are the two levels. Zeichel Yitzhak Mitzrayim means, it's not that that proved what was necessary to prove. Martin Torah, Proves it at least the same. Zechel Mitzrayim means you have a mitzvah here to go back to Yitzchak Mitzrayim, says the Ramban, and to know that every miracle, the miracles do other things as well. Other Mavoshim also bring other purposes. But the miracles there teach you, the Rambam says, all the miracles happen because we needed them. We needed food, he gave us man. You could do that naturally. Egyptians needed to be destroyed, the sea split. You could have had a cholera epidemic or something. <coughs> political collapse in Egypt. There are a lot of ways you could get rid of the Egyptians. A lot of ways you could have got rid of this. You could have a band of, I don't know, very attractive Moabite ladies. Could have, uh, there's lots of... You could, uh, you could have a flash flood. A lot of things you could do. You have to make the sea split. It has to be miraculous. Feed people in the desert. You could have stuff you could do. You could come across stuff growing. and. <coughs> <coughs> The Ramban says the reason they happened miraculously was to teach you there's no such thing as nature, no such thing as miracles. All one thing. It's all hinges on the same tonight. And the reason we do mitzvahs is to take us back, exactly, your physical action to take you back to a message that the natural world's not natural, and that's where you live. The skill of being a Jew is to live in the natural world and see that it's not natural. Of course you do that. And when you know that the neshama inside that is the one who met at Sinai. But that is the meaning. And therefore, and therefore, that's the message. Mitzvah's Esah Shel the positive mitzvah of the Torah, the Saper, is to tell the children, Benissim Benif Lois. It's not to tell them that we had, a, we were slaves and we went out. Every nation has a geographical, historical story. Every nation. 1066, there was a war, there was this, the Santa Magna Carta. Portuguese have their story, the, the Italians, everybody have their story, the South Africans. Story. The British did this to them, and the Dutch did that, and they broke away, and they trekked with the wagons and fought against the Zulus. It's not the point. That's not the point. The point is that our story is a miraculous one. There's no point. The only person you tell that we were once in one country and left out to another one is a little child who doesn't understand anything else. But as soon as it gets beyond that, the message is not that we in one country went to another, but we went from the natural to the miraculous to teach us that the natural is miraculous. Okay, we'll stop here.